0: Hello everyone and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie, and I am your host. And we are here. Well, we are here. I am here in Napa, California because my wife had a conference. And we decided to drive up instead of my wife just flying up on her own and have a little family vacation um, paid for mostly by her company, which is fun and exciting. Um, I love Napa. I used to live in Reno and my wife and I used to come here all the time. And it's just so, so wonderful. I, it's just like... Today we ate uh, dinner in at a place that was just kind of like in the middle of this big old farm. It was amazing. It was beautiful. And unfortunately my kids were acting up a little bit. But that's okay, because they were tired. And that's just kind of the way it goes. But anyway, I'm recording on my laptop. Um, outside of a hotel, at night, in the car. With the car off, it's a little hot. So... Um, yeah, this is how my 100th episode is going to go. Let me give you a, like kind of a rundown. I recorded on Monday, pre-recorded on Monday to have it released today. And that episode, the pre-recorded episode 100, was so terrible. And I've released some really stinky episodes. That episode was so terrible, I could not bring myself to release it. So here we are, I'm re-recording. But I thought, well, I could use Brad and Sierra's episode and just put a little something at the beginning and use that for this episode. And I had to clear some space off of my laptop. And I think I deleted it. I can't find it anywhere. I'm 90% sure I deleted it, which is awful. So I feel really terrible because Braden's here put a lot of time in and they were very generous with their time because they were moving. So um, overall, that just that whole thing just kind of sucks. So anyway, um, here we are. So let's get started before, uh, we go too long here first up things that i like i like this is ep- i like that this is episode 100 i like napa it's very pretty here and tesla energy so let me explain i think i've talked about this a little bit but we've kind of got some finally got some resol- re- resolution so i've been a solar city customer for like 9 years in that time, I've never had a bad experience with somebody from Solar City. Always positive. They're always wonderful to deal with. So on June 6th, I call Solar City or Tesla Energy now. And I want to talk about moving my panels from the old house to the new house. I get assigned somebody, they're supposed to call me back. They do call me back. I wasn't able to take their call because I was at work on a call. But I did call them back. And I got no response. And they might have tried to call me this person. I'm not going to say their name. Might have tried to call me back one other time. Um, but once for sure, twice maybe. But then no other time after that. And I left several phone calls on this guy's voicemail. And it's they just weren't responding. And it's getting closer and closer. Now it's the end of June. And we really got to get this ball rolling because if we sell our house, I don't want there to be solar panels on top of the house when the other people move in and then they have to be inconvenienced when Tesla goes up there and removes them. So it's becoming more and more frustrating. And then my wife and I got a hold of somebody named Rhonda, who's like the first person you talk to when you call to Tesla Energy. She was amazing. She stayed on the phone with my wife to make sure that we got the right representative. Oh, by the way, my wife actually did talk to this guy the bad guy, and um, he promised that he would call back the next day by 5 o'clock, and he did not. So by this time, you know, we're kind of done with Tesla energy, and my wife is done with Tesla as a whole, because she's like, you know what, if this is how their com- this company treats their current customers, we're not buying a car from Tesla, ever. And my wife's the kind of person, once she makes up her mind, it's very hard to change. So then we got a hold of Rhonda, and my wife really liked Rhonda, and Rhonda Listen to her concerns, listen, got us in contact with another rep, um, followed up to make sure that everything worked out okay. The new rep we got, his name is Connor. Some emails say Connor, some emails say Calvin. Same last name. Doesn't really matter. He's a super nice guy and very competent in what he's doing and really helped us out. Um, I got the ball rolling on Tuesday, um, a couple days ago. We had the site survey today. He had me sign some paperwork, and it turns out we're going to get 35% more production because of the way the panels are going to be placed on this new house. So that's really nice. Um, And my only regret in this whole thing is we didn't get Rhonda or Connor to begin with because they really turned this whole process around, and they made it a much more bearable experience, and that makes me very happy because it's getting to be um, kind of grumpy with the way that we were being treated since we have actually paid them so much money to lease, because we prepaid our lease up front. This is all before we had kids. Anyway, uh, next up, uh, like I said, this is going to be kind of a quick episode. Um, I want to thank though, two new Patreon supporters, Nate and Cameron. Thank you both very much for supporting the show. Nate, I've sent your stickers off. Cameron, I'll be sending your stickers off tomorrow. I just found the Napa post office and it's just right by where our hotel is actually. So um, I'm going to go in there, buy a stamp and mail your stuff off today or tomorrow. So thank you very much for supporting the show. I really, really appreciate it. Um, Let's skip past all this other stuff and start right in here. Tariffs. What are tariffs good for? Absolutely nothing. Mostly. I'm sure there are good reasons to have tariffs, but when you have a trade war, that's not good. So, uh, buyers in China, we all lose when there's a trade war, but buyers in China are going to see prices of the Model S and Model X go up by more than $20,000. Uh, this is in response to the the Trump administration's tariffs. Uh, China's like, okay, well, cool, we'll just tariff your stuff and you'll sell less stuff in our country and we'll sell less stuff in your country. Great. Um, The big deal is to Tesla anyway, is that China contributes 17% to Tesla's total revenue, which I thought was a huge number. Um, But I'm not going to get on this tariff stuff because I'm sure it'll all get worked out. But if you think that this isn't going to affect you, most of our electronics comes from China. So expect to start paying uh way more money if we're putting tariffs and for your iphones and your androids and all that good stuff so it will eventually affect us and i know they said that it's not but i don't see how it couldn't um in that same vein tesla has been negotiating a gigafactory in china for a while now and they've actually secured a preliminary agreement with china and the cars, Model Y and Model S, they should start off rolling uh, rolling off the assembly line in 2020 uh, when the factory is built. And it's probably going to be late 2020 because we all know how Tesla timelines are. Once the factory is at full capacity, though, it's going to produce 500,000 cars a year, which is amazing. That's a huge amount of cars. And that's just for the Chinese market. So just imagine shocked face uh, emoji right here. That's uh, That's a huge amount. I would not have thought that that Tesla could sell that many cars in China. Um, But uh, these are very optimistic goals, and they won't likely hit them um, in time. Uh, You know, they're not going to, like I said, they're not going to hit the... 2020 might be December 2020, the first car rolls off. But... um, I like to see that they have goals and I like to see that they're aggressive. Uh, sorry, I had to move, adjust my laptop. is burning my lap. Uh, they've learned a ton with the Model 3 and we all know the Model Y is going to be based off the Model 3's um, um, architecture. It's going to be based off the Model 3. So they'll share a lot of the same parts. So there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot less of a learning curve curve uh, for this Gigafactory in China and vice versa. Anything that they learn in China, they're going to use back at the Gigafactory in the United States. Um, one of the unique things is Tesla will be one of the only U.S. automakers or the only U.S. automaker to completely own the factory and not have to share um, profits with the Chi- with a Chinese company. Because uh, right now uh, automakers have to share like they have to partner with a Chinese company and share profits like 5050 I don't know if it's exactly 50 50 that's just what I've heard and uh, some are, some people are gonna some people are asking um, how's Tesla gonna pay for it I say who cares they wouldn't have wasted all this uh, time and money in securing this deal if they didn't have a plan on paying for it so it's none not that's, that's none of our business but really who really cares they'll pay for it What I'm interested in seeing is if they build the cars in China and they sell the cars in China only, will the tariffs affect the cars? And if they don't, will they start building Model S and Model X cars in China to avoid the tariffs altogether? We'll see. Um, We need to worry about this all in 2020 when the factory actually starts up and running. Uh, Next up, this is from Fred Lambert at Electric again. Tesla is opening up the Model 3 configurator to everybody. As of this recording, I was able to get on and configure a car um, that I would like to pretend to buy. Here's what I was able to choose. Um, The color was midnight silver, and then I was asked to handle over $2,500 for deposit. So not much of a configuration. Um, The total car was $50,000 with a delivery window of three to six months. Um, so yeah, I'm not real sure that that is, um, overall a great configuration experience, but whatever I, when I logged on, it was really slow. So maybe they were working on it and updating it and getting it up and going while I was on it, or maybe there's a ton of people on it. I don't know. Good news. If you're buying a Tesla in the United States, um, at least for 2018, You'll get the full tax credit until uh, the end of 2018. Then in 2019, uh, the amount basically halves every quarter. Let's see. Uh, Tesla is on their way out of production hell. This is next one's from Fred Lambert, according to Elon. Tesla is rounding the corner and ramping up to 10,000 cars a week, which is great. Um, Elon said that he wanted uh, his pain to be worse than his employees' pain, so that's why he slept on a very uncomfortable couch or on the floor um, while he was at the factory. Uh, let's see. I'm not sure that he's experiencing his c- c- employees' pain. Um, honestly, like uh, that's great, and I, I commend him for uh, for trying to um, put himself in a worse situation than his employees, but it's not. It, it he goes back home and he still flies on a personal jet and he still gets in a really nice uh, car and drives to his really nice house and that's not exactly the same thing. So where are we at? Um, my point is is I believe him that he he wants. He wants to put himself in an inconvenience because his employees are being inconvenienced. But it's it's, it's just not the same. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, next one, Autoblog, Sven Gustafs- Gu- Gustafsson. Sorry. This story is about Martin Tripp, the self-described whistleblower, and Elon-described saboteur. He has filed a formal complaint with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. Trip accuses Tesla of installing unsafe punctured battery packs in Model 3s, misleading investors with inflated Model 3 production numbers, lowering vehicle specifications, and using scrap or waste materials in Model 3 to get them out the door. It appears that Trip has hired Messner uh, Associates to defend him in the case. Messner Associates has represented other whistleblowers in the past. Many of you know that Testa accused Tripp of hacking and stealing proprietary information and photos and then giving them to unnamed third parties. Unnamed third parties looks like it is allegedly Business Insider and maybe a well known short seller. Uh, let's see, Martin Tripp has a GoFundMe page to help pay for a lawyer. Uh, he's trying to raise, five, raise $500,000 and so far he's raised $15,000. Man, the more I read on Martin Tripp, the the more I really don't care for him as a person. Now, that doesn't make him guilty and it doesn't make him innocent. Uh, there are some things I read that are like, huh, oh, suppose a reasonable person. And then when you read his emails to Elon, and I'm not defending Elon, he's a billionaire, he can defend himself and a grown man. Uh, but when you read his emails to Elon, it's like, this is a this is a lunatic. Where is this coming from? It's like spinning vitriol. And um, it's not... It, I don't know. It just doesn't... He doesn't seem to me, and I don't know him. Never met him. So this is just based off of what I read. He doesn't seem like a very good person. But he might be a great person, and he might be doing the Lord's work. I have no idea. I just know... Like, I just get an uneasy feeling about him. But that doesn't make him guilty. And I think we should uh, remember that. Just because we don't like somebody does not mean that they're guilty or innocent if we like them. Alright, this is our final story. Let's talk about Elon and the Thai soccer team. First, I have to say, I have family in Thailand. And I've been there several times. It is beautiful, like Elon says. I've even explored caves around Kirby. Um, of course with guides, I didn't go on my own. My wife and I and her uh, family went and we like to get into these caves. We got in a boat on the side of a road, like a little canoe. And then there were parts of the cave that was just pitch black and you can hear the bats flying past you as you're floating, uh, towards your destination. And then there, like, the waters were so high in some parts where you'd have to lay on um in the canoe and you could feel the rock you could hear the canoe rock uh scraping against the rock and then you p- to put your hands on the rock and you push down uh to get the canoe to move through this little space that you're in um and that you push down to get the canoe like more in the water so that you can so you can get through this space that's how tight it was and this these caves were absolutely amazing uh, it was one of the best experiences of my life. So if you don't know, uh Thai soccer team, they went exploring. These, this was in northern Thailand. I was in southern Thailand. But they went exploring. Monsoon rains came in and flooded them. People thought they were dead. Um, and then um, these wonderful divers from the UK, they went in and they were able to find, with Thai divers as well, they were able to find these kids. They were like the, they knew the, the caves really well. They were able to find the kids and their coach. And um, eventually they were able to get them out. But it was unclear. There was like this ridiculous timeline on how long it was going to take them to get out. Uh, to be rescued. And by the way, it was still raining. So the waters were still rising. So this is a very complicated uh, rescue. Okay, so having said that, someone on Twitter asked Elon if he could do anything to help the the Thai soccer team and their coach. And at first, I thought, well, this is really nice, but no emergency rescue personnel worth their salt is going to um, use a a plan that is untested and and not something that they've done in the past. Like usually, when you do something like this. rescue-wise, you're basing it off of experiences you've had in the past, and you're modifying techniques that you already know that work. You're not deploying some new technique or new rescue device when you're trying to rescue somebody. Life safety rules, at least in the United States, have, um, there's, there's a lot of procedures, I don't want to say rules, there's a lot of procedures when, with life safety stuff. And, um, it's unlikely that any rescuer is going to just take what Elon gives them and say, this is great. Let's use it. So that was my first impression. It's like, yeah, this is really nice, but they're not going to use it. So here's kind of where I changed Elon, his team and wing inflatables. They created a, a, a pretty decent solution in 24 hours Basically, it's a sealed uh, rubber envelope with a person inside, um, and it's they can breathe. It's got air pushing into the little rubber envelope so that they can breathe. Because cave diving is incredibly complicated. I've been um, certified to dive since I was 16, and I've, I've been on quite a few dives. I'm not like an avid diver. I live in the desert, for goodness sakes. But whenever I get a chance, I go, and I've been diving... Like I said, since I was 16, I'm 43 now, so 20 um, some years. Uh, I do not, I would be very cautious with a cave dive. Cave dives are extremely dangerous. I know somebody that does, has done cave dives, and he's fine with it, but he's a much more experienced diver than I am. Um, to take these kids in to these spaces, which is basically blackout spaces who have never dived before is extremely dangerous for the rescuer and the kid Um, a Navy SEAL died trying to they would already uh, found the kids and he was just trying to get out um, back to um, um, back to their base operations and he ended up running out of air and dying which is terrible and he was an experienced diver, not an experienced cave diver, but an experienced diver. Anyway, so they created this envelope, and um, and whoever's inside of it couldn't breathe um, air. And they'll I'm sure certainly have oxygen somewhere mounted to this little rescue envelope. And um, then Elon and the SpaceX team created this like little mini sub, all made out of metal, and. Um they hooked air to it and they tested it in a pool and everything worked great and whoever was in the little mini sub got out and it was great. Everybody was happy. Here's the problem. Sorry, I was stupid, I didn't bring any water and I'm choking here. Here's the problem. Caves, um they can have very narrow openings. So something that doesn't um that isn't pliable isn't a good solution like this metal can that they built. On the other side, the, the little rubber envelope, that is something that might work. However, it's also very jagged. What happens if a hole tears and the divers escorting the child out, they're not necessarily going to know that there's a problem. And then the holes teared torn or water is seeping in. They don't, they won't know for sure. Um, Because from what I understand, it's black in there. You can't see anything. So overall, it's not safe. But I do commend this group of people, the people from Winged Inflatables, um, Elon and his team, for um, putting something together so fast and committing time, resources, and money to make this happen, which is amazing. And Elon even went to the cave in Thailand to see... What was going on there, and kind of get a better understanding. Um, and they ended up leaving these these devices there for them to use. They they he said in the the um, text that probably or is a tweet. It probably won't get used, but it's here if they need it. And here's like my turnaround is is one is I'm I'm amazed that they put so much time, effort, and money into this. Uh, for something that they probably knew wouldn't get used, so that's one thing. My second thing is, if my kids were in that, um, if my kids were in that cave, and the waters were rising, and there was no other way to get them out, and there was the choice between they're going to die or we're going to try this and they may die, I would rather them do, hey, we're going to try this and may die. It'd last option, no other, th- no other. Uh, it's either this or they die. I would much rather put them in a rubber envelope and get them out. Because I would much rather hug my kids again than not. So even if it's there as a backup to the backup to the backup, um, I'm glad it's there as a parent. So Elon is being unfairly skewered online for trying to help. And people are saying it's a publicity stunt. I don't get that it's a publicity stunt. Elon's a great hype man, but I don't think in this situation he does this for positive uh, publicity. <clears throat> I think that he does this because he cares and he has resources and he can. Also, I think it's kind of interesting to him because um, it's kind of like a puzzle and it seems like his brain works well trying to solve these puzzles. So... um, yeah, so I don't think it's fair that he's being skewered online. He's trying to help. Um, people have a right to say what they, their opinions are, but they don't have necessarily have a right to be a out-and-out out jerk um, criticizing somebody for trying to help when they probably have done nothing. I've done nothing to help these Thai kids. And soccer team, and by the way, they're all out and they're all safe and they didn't need to use any of this equipment. Um, but it's better it's better to have the backup to the backup to the backup if that's the only solution. Like, if, as a parent, you always want one more solution. Uh, you don't want to see your child slowly drown in a cave. That would be awful. Um, two more things uh, real quick is, yes, these things didn't get used now, but I really hope that these groups take these ideas, like the inflatable envelope, and the little mini-sub, and continue to develop those. Because um, rescue equipment has to be tested, scientifically scientifically tested, and it has to have a margin of, of uh, safety. So let's pretend that you're buying a rope for life safety. If it's um, rated for 100 pounds, it probably holds 300 pounds. I'm just throwing numbers out there because I haven't really researched this. But I do know that there's a safety factor built in. And that safety factor is usually quite high. So, having said that, um, I hope that they take their ideas and I hope that they test them so that they have a a genuine safety factor and a genuine like um, and genuine test that they can show fire departments, um, other rescue personnel, and and emergency sp- service personnel, so that they could use maybe use this in the future and one of the things where this might be very beneficial um are like if you have somebody in um a confined space and they get um they get injured and the confined space for whatever reason so let's say they're incapacitated you could put them in this little bubble give them clean air and get them out of the, um, out of the confined space in a fairly, uh, uh, reasonable amount of time versus, uh, putting a mask on them and dragging their, their lifeless body out. It might be easier just to put them in this little, they have these things called skeds, which are basically just like taco shells for rescue workers. And they put the sked around the person and they just pull. Well, this could be kind of like a, a, inflatable sked, you put the person in there, put clean air in there, give them as much um, clean air as they can breathe and start bringing them out. And that gives you a little bit more time to bring them out. (coughs) Excuse me, because they don't have, um, uh, they don't have that, that worry is the mask going to fall off. Is this going to happen? Is that going to happen? So, I don't know. Overall, I think this is a good thing. I hope they continue working on it. And I hope that they don't... um, I hope they just don't leave it laying dormant. Because somebody put time and effort and money into this. It kind of makes sense that that time, effort, and money should be put into something that might actually turn into being something really useful in the future and save someone's life. Or mini-someone's life. But that's it. Um, I don't think that I, like, there's a lot of podcasts about Tesla that just suck up to to Elon Musk and Tesla, and it's kind of gross to hear. I don't think that I do that, but um, I think I'm pretty fair when it comes to both um, people and companies, not even just Elon, just in general, Um, even people that bash um, renewable energy. I try to be fair. Um, but in this case, I do think them, I mean, Elon's trying to help the Flint, uh, in the water in Flint, Michigan. I think that this is a, a really good use of resources. And to this point, our government's not fixing it. So if a private individual or a company wants to come in and fix the water, what's, there's absolutely no wrong with that. Like, let's get the water fixed so that people can drink clean water and not have to bring water in from neighboring communities. It's ridiculous. Oh, this whole thing's ridiculous. Anyway, I'm moving on. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the 100th episode of Kilowatt. Uh, you can email me, bodie, at 918digital.com. That's B-O-D-I-E, at 918digital.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at 918 digital. And if you want to become a Patreon supporter, go to kilowatt.com forward slash Patreon. Scratch that because that would not take you there. Go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt. And that will take you to the Patreon page if you want to support uh, the show. And if you want to support it in a non-financial way, please go to your um, pretty much iTunes. Just go to iTunes and review the podcast. That would really help me out. So thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you have a great week. I will talk to you next Friday, possibly Saturday, because I'll be moving all day Thursday and Friday. So I may not get an episode out on on Friday, but it will probably be on Saturday. So thanks, everybody, again, for listening. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I'm trying to find the out music. There we go. Here we go. Out music. Is it going out? can't hear it. Hold on one second. Ah, there we go. Have a great week, everybody.